Hi, I'm Jen White, and this is Reset. If you know anything about Chicago, you know that it is and nearly always has been a segregated city. Racial and economic divisions run deep, and sticking to your neighborhood is par for the course. But how often do we question the impact that segregation has on the way we live? Reset contributor Tanika Johnson is a photographer, activist, and creator of the Folded Map Project. And she's working to disrupt segregation in Chicago by connecting residents from different neighborhoods to one another. And she calls them Map Twins, two people who share similar addresses, but who live in different parts of town. Her project started on the south and north sides, and now she's bringing people together from different parts of the west side. Tanika Johnson joins us now, and she also brought her first West Side pair, Cubella and Joe Bristol. Hey, all welcome to Reset. Hi. Thank you. Hi, thanks for having us. So briefly, Tanika, for folks who aren't familiar, just explain the Folded Map Project and how it works. So Folded Map is a visual investigation of the disparity in Chicago using its grid map. So comparing addresses, mirroring addresses on the same street, and then also introducing the people who live on those streets together for a conversation. Now, you had a very successful event, an opening exhibit in Inglewood last month. It drew, I think, more people than you expected. Yes. Talk about that experience and what came out of it. Um, so what came out of that experience was really um, an extension of the actual project. It served as an invite for people to come to Inglewood, not only to just uh, experience the project, but to contribute their own thoughts and perspectives. And what ultimately happened was a conversation um, about segregation with people from all over Chicago. Now, you started off on the north and south sides. You've mm-hmm. moved into the west side. And like mm-hmm. I said, you brought your first pair of west side map twins for us. How did you pair Q and Joe together? Um, I was just explaining to Joe earlier that I always have a ringer, and Q Billet was the ringer. He lives 3200 West Warren, and so I knew that I wanted to find his map twin on the same 100 West, just on the north side, and that is where Joe comes in. And so, Joe, how did you find out about Folded Map? How did you get connected? I got a envelope through my door one morning. <laughs> um, it was really quite mysterious and exciting. Um, and inside was a packet that Tanika had made describing the project. Um, and I, I wrote her back minutes later. It seemed so exciting to me. Wow. And Joe, um, Q, for you, how did you get involved with Folded Map? Um, I've been a fan of the project since day one. Uh, Tony and I actually went to high school together. Ah. So I've, I've been watching her progress on social media, and I always wanted to be a part of it. Why did you want to participate? Um, to be honest with you, um, one, when I, when I first heard about Folded Map, I'm an artist, so the first thing that popped in my head was like, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. And what about for you, Joe? What, what made you want to get involved? You know, I think there's something about <clears throat> the current political climate overall that it, makes a lot of us feel sort of helpless and you know you spend a lot of time watching the news and and wishing there were something you could do mm-hmm. and all of a sudden someone invites you to participate in something that is sort of addressing a pretty important issue and and you just sort of leap at the chance you know I'm curious how much the two of you thought about segregation um not just its history in the city but how it shapes the city today Q uh I I've always thought about it because um, I, I was blessed to go to selective enrollment schools as a child, and 
I, I saw the the effects of segregation early when I would bring my my Puerto Rican friends or my or my white friends back to my neighborhood, and like people would actually you know treat them different than they would treat me, you know. So how? I, how? So um, early on, I had a one of my best friends was Puerto Rican, and I brought him to my uh, house, and then we had another friend that was white, and we had like a sleepover, and then when we were playing outside the next day. Uh, some 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 people on the block was like, why you why you got them white people over here? And I was like, well, first of all, he's Puerto Rican. <laughs> Second of all, my white friend actually stayed he stays in Austin, like six blocks from here. You know, so. Hmm. What about for you, Joe? Was it something you you really thought about before? You know, I work in the film industry, um, mostly on television commercials, and so I've shot in all kinds of neighborhoods. Um, so I'm I'm very aware of how different they all are and the fact that there is a lot of segregation, a lot of sort of different income levels. Um, but one of the things I thought was so great about the project is that it really helped show me how kind of complacent you can get, how you just sort of get used to it and don't you you stop thinking about it. You live in your own little bubble and and you you aren't sort of forced to think outside of that very often. Well, it occurs to me that each of you are artists, <laughs> which right, is just right. sort of happy, a happy accident. <laughs> but Tanika, really focusing on this project through the lens of photography, mm-hmm. um, which is a, a big part of the, the work you're doing, why do you think that's such an effective tool? Um, because it's the visual serves as a portal. You know, and people can actually be immersed in someone's experience, their home, um, through photography. And then with the addition of an interview, it really deepens the connection someone can have to an individual, regardless of actually visiting their neighborhood. So you identified Joe, you identified Q, your ringer. What happened from there? How did you structure this? Uh Well, so I had to interview them separately first so that they can get used to the questions. And then that led up to them actually meeting each other. And they met each other at Q's house first. And what was that first meeting like, Q? Uh, It was uh, it was it was interesting to meet him and um, see that we we have a lot in common, actually. And Joe, what about for you? Uh, The same thing. I mean, um, it was a little bit anxious making. Really you know? anxious. Yeah, sure. It was a little, it's a little strange to be sort of thrust into a, a new situation like that and not really have no idea what to expect. Um, but it was great. I mean, it was very comfortable and Tony has always made the whole thing feel very comfortable. So I think that's kind of why it's such a powerful project. So for people who might get an envelope <laughs> under their door from you in the yes. future, when you're when you're just setting up these conversations and you're trying to structure them in a way to facilitate dialogue, mm. what are some of those questions you're asking and that you want the participants to ask one another? Um, well, I just start off with the basic questions um, that allow them to get to know each other, um, which is how did you come to live in your neighborhood? So they get to hear each other answer that which is a lot of personal information. Um, And then I also ask them, is everything that they need on a day-to-day basis accessible in their neighborhood? And then they listen to each other respond to that. And then also the question of how much do you pay for rent? How much did your house cost? And is your neighborhood your place of peace? So those questions, once especially these two, once they answered those questions, a full-on conversation just starts. And then they just... 
get interested in each other. Now, at some point, Q, you went to visit Joe, and right. and what was that experience like? Uh, I I really enjoyed that. Joe has a beautiful house, <laughs> and I'm I you know I've always been into architect architecture. He has a beautiful house. We went to um, the um, Logan Square Farmers Market, mm-hmm. and uh, I always wanted to go there because I, I I used to work. I used to get on the train there for work. But I never went. But I always wanted to go there, so it was a great experience. You said you used to take the train near there, but you never, you never went yeah. to the market. Why not? Uh, well, m- most of the time, because when I was getting on the train, I was always running late for work. So. <laughs> That's fair. That's very, very fair. And then you know how you know you see things you want to go to around the city, and you're like, I'm gonna go there, and then you just never get around to it. Mm-hmm. Now, Q, where did you take Joe? I took Joe to the conservatory. And what did you think, Joe? Had you been there before? I had been, but I hadn't been in quite a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like I was saying before about, you know, you get in your little rut and you kind of stay in your bubble. And I loved the conservatory. I thought it was beautiful. And I spent the whole time thinking, why don't I ever come here? It's mm-hmm. really right down the street. Um, yeah. What, what were your expectations once you both signed up to participate in the project going into it? What did you think was going to come out of it? Or did you have any expectations, Joe? Uh, I I really didn't know what to expect, but I have to say I was sort of uh, a little bit blindsided by the fact that it was a lot more to do with the interviews and the discussion mm-hmm. than it was to do with the photography. Uh, you know, I, I sort of naively thought this was going to be about architecture and about photographing us. And, oh, there's also an interview. I just want to interview you ahead of time. And it turns out the interview is the project. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was great. I mean, I feel like being being sort of pushed to confront some of these things was uh, really eye-opening. Q, what about for you, your expectations heading in? Uh, I, I I didn't have any specific expectations, but I was just excited about about being a part of it and, and meeting my MAP twin. Hmm. Tanika, this isn't the first uh, MAP twin pair you, you've matched up. What surprises you during these conversations when people get a chance to connect? Um, how they find a commonality on their own without me pushing them or urging them. Um, and then also the issues that become apparent that are important to them. Um, so with the North and South side map twins, it was about disparity inequity, and segregation overall. And with this pair, immediately the conversation about gentrification emerged without, you know, me inviting it. Mm -hmm. And so that's always interesting to me how the issues come up with each map twin and what they connect on. Talk about that conversation you had around gentrification. Q, what were some of the concerns that came up for you? Uh, For me, uh, I got mixed feelings on gentrification. Um, Jay-Z said in a song, um, Last year, I think he said, gentrify your own neighborhood, right? So it's like, what's gentrification? It's like, does it make a neighborhood better? Yes, but who does it make a neighborhood better for? So that's why I got mixed feelings on it. I think that one thing that I learned from Joe that I never even thought about, like I would have thought that Joe loved, you know, um, uh, Logan Square being gentrified, but he actually didn't. And when he explained to me why, it was really eye-opening, and I understood why he didn't like it. Joe, explain what happened on your side of the conversation. Well, I've been complaining for years about how Logan Square is overdeveloped, and there are more and more and more people there that look the same. And 
are the same age and sort of uh, it's just gotten less diverse and to me a lot less interesting. And I wanted to take cue to the Logan Square Farmers Market because it stands for me as this sort of symbol of of what's wrong with gentrification. And it was pretty funny to bring him there and have him really love it. <laughs> and it sort of made me realize that I take for granted that there, there are great benefits to your neighborhood improving. Um, it isn't just, it isn't all bad. And when, he, when Q talked at one of the earlier interviews about what he wanted, what he wished for in his neighborhood, it was the same things we all want. I mean, it, and it was the same things that I wanted when I first lived in Logan Square. And it was a little more dangerous and there was less to do and there were fewer restaurants. It's like, it's all part of the same process. Um, so that was a pretty interesting thing to discover. I'm curious because we're talking about these issues that can elicit really strong emotions. Mm-hmm. Were there points when the conversation got uncomfortable? Um, I think there were points when the conversation got uncomfortable. Uh, when I was speaking about um, not being able to like send my daughter to school in my neighborhood, I think it got a little un- uncomfortable then. It's, Why? Um, I think that um, so uh, I mean it's it's just like when I was telling him that you know that's something I just feel like he could probably tell you better, but that's something that he never thought of. Like I live in a neighborhood and like I can't even send my daughter to school in this neighborhood because the schools are not, you know, up to up to par for my standards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about for you, Joe? Were there points when the conversation got uncomfortable? Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard not to feel complicit in this whole process of gentrification. You know, I'm not I, I'm aware that my my choosing to move to that neighborhood um, is is part of the process. It's not like it just happens completely independently of you. And so it, it's a little bit squirmy, I guess, to feel like, okay, I live in this neighborhood that's full of money and restaurants and has access to all this stuff. And, and I'm somewhat, you know, I have my own share of responsibility for the fact that that happened to my neighborhood and it hasn't happened to Q's neighborhood yet. And so, yeah, it, it's definitely felt a little bit loaded in that way. Mm-hmm. I can imagine people listening to this conversation would say, I would never do that (laughs) because either out of a sense of protection for my neighborhood or because you just have to be vulnerable to have these conversations, Danica. Yes, but what I reassured both of them was that we're all participants. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, um, this is a heavy lift for residents and it shouldn't be our responsibility, a neighborhood shouldn't improve because a certain demographic or population moves in. And that's just period, point blank. And I just constantly uh, reassured them that, you know, to some degree, it's out of our control, it seems like. And that's part of the issue. And gentrifiers shouldn't bear the brunt of feeling to blame. Because at the end of the day, Developers and businesses should not just follow one specific population and investment should be um, done to all neighborhoods in Chicago so that they can be a destination point and an option for all to live in. And so I just think them kind of modeling the the squirminess, the uncomfortability um, can help people understand that it's it's not our fault 
I wonder if there's something empowering about the experience, though, as well. Joe? Absolutely. I mean, I feel like it was really useful to be feel vulnerable um, and to and to have to confront stuff that doesn't feel comfortable and, and realize that you're, everybody doesn't blame you and that it is part of a sort of bigger process than all of us. Um, and I felt like we found a lot of common ground together. Um, and I never stopped feeling vulnerable, I have to say. Q, what about for you? Um, for me, I feel like the biggest thing that, that, that I learned from it all is that you never judge a book by its cover. If I was walking down Joe's block and I saw him, I would have thought he'd probably just moved there, like, you know, this year or something like that, you know? And I'd be like, oh, man, this dude got lucky. He got this amazing house, you know? <laughs> but at the end of the day, he's been there, you know, 20 years before before all of it happened. And, and one of the, like, when he explained to me how he felt about, Logan Square, I was like, man, you actually right, because, like, they're trying to turn Logan Square to New York, <laughs> you know, so. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Would you do it again? Yeah, I definitely would. I definitely would. I've always been, like I say, I grew up in Austin, and I went to selective enrollments. I went to, to some amazing schools. I went to Andrew Jackson Language Academy for grammar school, and then I went to Lane Tech for high school, so I've always had friends of all races. And I'm I'm all about just, you know, crossing those lines to meet people and to break down the barriers. Joe, why would you encourage someone else who maybe gets a Tanika letter under the door? <laughs> why would you encourage them to participate in this project? I think it's uh, it was really helpful to, to, to just look some of this stuff in the eye um, and to realize that you can talk about it. And we are all not that far apart as far as, uh, you know, what, what we want to happen in our neighborhoods. And and it's easy to just be complacent and not. So I think I would do this again in a heartbeat. I'd like to keep doing this. <laughs> Tanika, what's next for the project? Uh, what's next for the project is identifying another set of MAP twins after the new year, uh, hopefully one that represents Austin and Humboldt Park. And you got a fellowship to support this work going on, right? Yes, I got a fellowship to support the new MAP twins, Joe and Q, and another set. So that is what I'm going to be focusing on. And if people want to get involved, how can they reach out to you? They can actually go to FoldedMapProject.com or they can go to my website, ToniKaJ.com and sign up on the contact list. All right, that's Tanika Johnson, creator of the Folded Map Project, along with Westside Map Twins, Q, Billa, and Joe Bristol. Tanika, Q, Joe, thanks so much for speaking with us. Thanks for having us. Thank you. That's it for Reset. Keep in touch with the show via Twitter. We're at WBEZ Reset, and I'm at J White Pub Radio. I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening, and let's talk again soon. 